This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Bustin' Loose Baseball, hosted by Grant Paulson and Toby Altizer, gives you in-depth analytics and interviews on everything baseball in the nation's capital. Now, here's your host, Grant Paulson and Toby Altizer. This is Bustin' Loose Baseball, episode 64, Grant Paulson and Toby Altizer. What's up, Toby? Nothing much. Good to see the boys getting some wins on the road. A 6-3 and three road trip coming back home for a fun homestand. So excited to see what the boys do with the yard this coming week. Yeah, before we get into the, the big all-star news of the weekend, that was a whale of a road trip. I mean, you go to San Diego, take two of three. To Seattle, get two of three. And then to Philadelphia, get two of three. So 6-3 and three overall. But the Padres are a team. I mean, they're the team that, that were buyers when you were selling Juan Soto. Like, they should be beating you. They were mad and, and, and fighting in the clubhouse, supposedly, yelling at each other after the series. Then you have the, the Mariners, who I picked to be in the World Series. That looks pretty dumb. But they're supposed to be a playoff team, not playing like it. And the Phillies, of course, were in the World Series last year. High expectations in the division arrival. That's about as fun a nine-gamer for a rebuilding quote-unquote bad team on pace for 66 wins as you can have. I I thoroughly enjoyed myself. Yeah, they're causing problems because like you mentioned with the Padres series, it seemed like they were when they were in D.C. that they got things going again. They go out to San Diego and they win two of three and Xander Bogarts is coming out saying we should beat teams like the Nationals, man. Like, come on. We really need to get it together. Then similar sort of thing happened out in Seattle, according to some reports with the Mariners. Like, come on, guys. It's it's the Nationals. And we can't be losing series to them. And then they go into Philadelphia and they win game one and then they get walloped in game two. And you're like, well, maybe it's not great. And then they come back and bounce back and win the next game. So good for the Nationals going on the road. And they've been pretty good on the road this year. They're nearly a 500 baseball team on the road this season with a 21 and 22 record. The issue is, like I said, almost a 500 team on the road. 13 and 27 at home. So hopefully they can change that with this homestand with some good teams coming into town, but not great when they're at Nationals Park. By the way, just something I noticed, they don't play two straight games with the same start time again until like July 17th and 18th. Just kind of an oddity. <laughs> but there's 605 start time against the Reds uh to kick off the the series on Monday. Then 4th of July is 11 o'clock. The next day is traditional 7.05. Then a getaway day, 1.05. 
Then they play a 7 o'clock against the Rangers, then a 4 o'clock on Saturday, then a noon game on Sunday, earlier than even normal, which is odd. Then they're the 8-15 against the Cardinals. Like, it's crazy. There's no consistency. It's got to be odd for their uh, bodies and then the kind of the clocks mentally that they try to get through the season with. So we'll be monitoring whether or not that, that is anything that leads to any kind of issues. But let's get into the big story of the episode here, which is the All-Star game coming up in Seattle. And congratulations to first-time All-Star Josiah Gray, who has made a leap this year. I, I had someone arguing with me on Twitter and upset that I was saying, He's better this season than he was last year because they're like, I thought you were an analytical guy. His peripherals all say he's the same or worse. Well, here, here's the problem with that, and we'll get into some of the peripherals. Yes, he's been a little more lucky, but he's also made real adjustments and, and has been better. I mean, anyone who watches this guy will tell you and, and can attest to the fact that, if nothing else, the home run rate last year, which was worst in the league, being dropped off from 2.3 to 1.1 has been massive. His ERA is gone from over five to about 3.30. Now, if you look at uh, expected FIP and things like that, again, th there has been some luck, but he's done a much better job getting out of jams. I think he's done a way better job dealing with adversity in starts, bad play behind him, or he gives up a, you know, he makes a mistake and gives up an extra base hit or a homer. He buckles down. I think you saw the growth in his last start, which was this awesome moment, one of my favorite moments of the season in Philadelphia where he was allowed finally to finish a sixth inning, one run, eight strikeouts, where he, he could have easily been taken out of the game. And probably any other time this season earlier on, Davey would have gone and gotten him, but he let him finish what he started with a couple of runners on, and he worked his way out of a jam. Uh, it was a huge sequence. Like, he wouldn't have been capable of that, in my opinion, last year. So we can dive into all the numbers, and they say that there's a regression coming in the second half, and and maybe he hasn't quite turned the corner to being a number two or or, or even a you know a stellar all-star type starter in terms of some of the peripherals this year. But he gets the nod. He's got an ERA barely over three through 17 starts, which is hard to do in this sport. He's got an average against in the 240s, higher than it was last year, but it's a lot less loud, long contact. Uh, there are some really encouraging signs here for Josiah Gray. Yeah, every single start he takes the mound, he just battles. I think that's probably the word that I would characterize his first half with is just battling because there are times when he gets himself into a jam and he finds a way to get out of it. And like you said, if you look at the peripherals, maybe he's not a ton better than he was last season. But if you're looking at the actual results, sure, he gets himself into some jams, but he finds his way out of it. Like, he's been really good. Like you mentioned, his last start finds a way to get out of the jam, strikes out Bryson Stott to, to end the inning there. Davey trusts him and allows him to get out of it, and he does it. And so I think if you look overall what Josiah Gray has done this season, he's turned into a pitcher. He really has. Like, he's found a way to just get through his starts. And sometimes it's been a slog. Sometimes he'll go on stretches where you're like, man, can you just – can you have a good six-inning outing where you're not giving up lots of base runners? And he struggled to do that at times this season, but he's leaving the ball game with the team still in the game, and I think that counts for something. You know, maybe there's a regression coming, like you said. Maybe, you know, you look at some of these numbers, and maybe he's been really lucky with what he's had happen early this season. But if you're looking at the results, what he's given you, and, you know, why he's named an all-star – He's been the team's best pitcher this season, and I don't know if I'd go best player because I still think Lane Thomas got a little snub there, but, 
I mean, they obviously wanted to recognize him as the Nationals all-star representative, and I'm happy for him. Yeah, Lane Thomas has been their best player. I mean, playing every day, just more of him than Josiah Gray and where he ranks in the league in a lot of categories. And we'll get into Lane not making the all-star team in a second. Uh, On JoJo, though, I also wanted to say, like, this is huge for this organization, right? I mean, he's 25. He's coming into his own. He's actually been here now for parts of three seasons, which is crazy to think about. But this is his second full year, and then he came over in 2021 for the stretch run. He was in the major leagues as a then 23-year-old. But there is a lot of baseball still ahead of him as they turn this thing around. And he's only going to, in my opinion, continue to get better. He he was a two-way guy uh, at Lemoyne, New York, uh, in college, and, and this kind of taken to pitching later than a lot of top prospects did in the Dodgers system as a full-timer. But he's a really, really good dude. I really root for him. You know, he runs a lot of the events and all of the things that go on at the Nats Youth Academy as a player liaison. He's really accessible in the clubhouse. Um, he's always been very, very, you know, good, I, I think, and just answers every question and stands there after a bad start and wears it. And I just think he's a pro. I admire this guy. Again, you'll hear our interview when he came on Grant and Danny uh, with myself and Danny Ruye here coming up a little bit later on in the podcast about being an all-star for the first time. But uh, I am very happy for Josiah Gray. And I do think, look, this is earned, right? I mean, you're talking about a 3.30 earned run average. Now, we we are smart enough in 2023 to know there are numbers that can tell you a lot more about a season. But um, it, it's hard to, to make 17 starts on a bad team, throw about 100 innings, and he's like, you know, four good innings away from having his ERA in the twos. I mean, that, that is impressive. That, that's a big deal. So uh, let's give him some credit where it's due. It's been a, a breakthrough season in a lot of ways for Josiah Gray. Now I want to dive into some of the peripherals, which is where this gets interesting. Because if you're comparing him to last year, Toby, okay, his strikeout rate last year was 9.3 per nine. This year it's 8.1. So strikeout rate down a little bit. His walk rate was four on the nose. This year it's 4.06. Pretty much identical, but up a hair. One of the huge differences positively for him, okay, so fewer strikeouts, more walks, not by a lot. Uh, very similar numbers there. But the home run rate, as I said, has gone from 2.3 to 1.1. Basically cut in half. And he's gone from being the league leader in home runs allowed to best on the Nats pitching staff in that category. His batting average balls in play, believe it or not, is actually higher this year than last year, meaning he was getting luckier last season on balls hit in play not becoming hits than he is this year. Uh, couple areas where I think he's grown or at least having more success. He's leaving more runners on base. So this is your buckle down kind of like you talked about that, that battling thing. If we're trying to quantify that, right. And it's not a huge difference. It doesn't sound like a lot, but last year he stranded about 80% of runners this year. It's up to 84%. So that adds up uh, another area that that's a huge difference for him. This season is ground ball percentage. Last year, he got ground balls 33% of the time. This year, 43% of the time. You know how you it's it's hard to hit a home run when the ball's on the ground, right? So he's it's a lot more ground balls. Uh, deep dive here into Josiah Gray, Boston loose baseball. Home runs per fly ball, essentially, or how often does a fly ball turn into a home run? Last year, about 19% of his fly balls left the yard. This year, about 12%. But if you look at ERA, it's it's down over a run and a half from 5.02 to 
expected ERA is essentially the exact same. Mm-hmm. Last year, 4.25. This year, 4.20. If you look at fielding independent pitching, about a 1.3 run difference between this year and last year, positively this year. But his ex-fip is actually worse this year. Like this is kind of what your ERA should be based on what you control kind of thing, as I like to say. Last year, 4.57. This year, 4.65. One huge difference is war, where he was a minus player last year. This year, he's been worth 1.3 wins. So uh, I'm not telling you anything's linear or, or there's any huge takeaway there, other than to say, if you really look at it and deeply, he probably was better last year than the numbers and worse this year than the numbers and, and more similar over the two seasons. But again, I, I hate to be this guy, but I just think if you've watched for the two years, you kind of tell the difference. You can see where he is making real strides. So the most notable place that you can see a difference is his pitch mix. So if we look at last season, he primarily threw three pitches. He threw a four-seamer, a slider, and a curveball. This season, he's throwing five pitches over 10% of the time. A slider, the four-seamer, still a cutter, a curveball, and a sinker. And I think the biggest difference between last year and this year is the fact that his four-seam has been very bad throughout his career. If you look back in his time in the major leagues, it's always had a negative run value. So in 2021, or technically a positive run value, which is a bad thing for a pitcher, four-seamer in 2021 had an eight. Last year, a 22 run value, which is one of the worst pitches in baseball. This season, it's at zero, but I think the most notable thing, last season, through the four-seamer, 39% of the time. 2021, through the four-seamer, 51% of the time. This year, 23.7%. He's pitching this year. He's pitching. This is modern baseball. If you're not getting people out with the fastball, stop throwing the fastball. Throw the slider more. That's his main pitch this year, 27.6%. Mixing in the cutter, 16.8%. He's pitching this year. You know, think about Strauss early in his career and the way that he evolved as he got older, where it's a 2-0 count. That's historically a fastball count. What does he throw? Changeup. What does he throw? Curveball. That's what Josiah is doing this year. You would expect fastball in these situations. He's not throwing you a fastball. He's throwing you a slider. He's mixing in a sweeper now. He's throwing you a changeup. He's throwing different pitches because he's realized my four-seamer gets crushed a majority of the time. So he still throws it about a quarter of the time, but he's turned into a pitcher this season. And I don't know if that's a Jim Hickey thing. I don't know if that's a Josiah Gray thing, but that's a credit to those guys for working together and realizing, look, I I can try to be old-fashioned and throw fastballs by all game long. That's why I'm giving up so many home runs, though. I'm throwing fastballs. They're hitting them. Let me see if I throw more sliders. And so the numbers might not look great like you were going through with the peripherals, but he's pitching this year. So if he's able to get guys out because he's throwing the slider and the peripherals don't like it, but the results on the field are good, I'll take that every day. Yeah, bottom line, and it's a great breakdown on the on the pitch mix. I mean, the exit velocity is identical. It's 87.4 last year, 87.1 this year, and his max exit velo is basically identical. 111.4 last year, 111 this year. The difference is the launch angle off the bat against him. It's the ground balls. It, he's just, it's fewer barrels, 11% last year, 8% this year. Hard hit, you know, 98 this year, fit 155 last year, so he's on pace to be under that, uh, but it's going to be similar. But it's it's hard hit on the ground, and I just can't stress enough, like, what a game changer that is when your ground ball rate goes from 33% to 43%. Uh, which is what's happened for him. That hard hit percentage has gone from 36% uh, in his first year to 29.8, about 30% last year, to about 20% uh, 
excuse me, 28% this year. So again, dips just ever so slightly. And I mean, you've talked about the pitch mix. I mean, the velocity with the, the fastball is, you know, it's actually down a hair. Last year was thrown around 94. This year is thrown around 94. Uh, excuse me. Last year was 95. This year, 94 down a mile per hour. But guess what? You use the term pitching, which I, I love. Like, yeah, he's, he's adding that other stuff in. So, uh, He's gotten in the lab. He had the, the awesome spring training. I thought it was pretty criminal. They didn't let him start on opening day. I, I still think that was pretty ridiculous uh, that they had Patrick Corbin go out there. But uh, he's dealing. So here's to hoping that he keeps improving. Like, as, as silly as it sounds, I mean, there's a lot of room for growth here. He is, you know, th- this last start was his first really good start in a while. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah, 100%. I think that- his big thing is going to be finding that pitch. If it's a slider, it's a slider. That's fine. If it's adding in a sweeper, I think it's just finding that put-away pitch that he can kind of depend on. And I don't think he's quite found that yet. I think that's the next step for him. He's taken that step from last year to this year where, you know, he's given up the home runs this year. He's keeping it in the ballpark, obviously, an all-star this year. We've talked about that. So I think the next step for him is just finding his bread and butter, whatever that may be. I think that's probably going to be a slider. And if that's the case, just making sure he builds on that. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. We'll ask him about some of the things we've been covering here. Uh, you'll hear our interview with Josiah Gray, end of this pod on Bust and Loose Baseball. All right, that was the good news, is that Josiah Gray made the all-star team. The bad news is, is that Lane Thomas did not, and Lane Thomas was extremely deserving. Over the last two full months of baseball, so a third of a season, he has been on a 162-game pace to score 125 times with 200 hits and to have 49 doubles and 42 homers while driving in 94 and stealing almost 20 bases while posting a 950 OPS. Uh, he has been excellent these last couple months. He came into a series this week. I'm trying to think of when I saw this graphic on Masson. So this was as of the week that they announced the All-Star team, probably been four or five games. But he this is where he ranked among NL outfielders. Batting average fourth, hits second, home run sixth, RBI second, doubles second, and assists second. You know, you often don't get two all-stars if you're on a really bad team. And so when Gray made the team, it it became less likely that Lane Thomas did. But all all I can tell you is Lane Thomas deserved to be an all-star. You you can make the case, maybe, more than Josiah Gray did. I'm so happy for Gray, and and I think it's great for the organization that I'm not going to go that far. But Lane Thomas is an all-star outfielder this year. When you rank him among all the uh, the outfielders in the National League, second to fifth in a lot of categories. It's just hard to tell me. And there are guys on the roster that haven't had as good a year. I know you don't want to have two nationals because they stink from a national standpoint, but come on, he's an all-star. That's what, that's what an all-star does What he's done this half. Yeah. I sent you guys a breakdown. It's a little outdated at this point because we've played a couple of games, but uh, I won't bring up the exact numbers, but we compared what Ronald Acuna has done basically in the months of May and June to what Lane Thomas had done. And there's no doubt that Acuna was better, especially when you factor in stolen bases and defense and everything. But 
they were close. Like it was a, it was a case where you could actually see like, oh, Lane Thomas has a few more doubles. Oh, he's only a home run or two behind what Ronald Acuna has. Always oh, had more triples. Always oh, just within a handful of runs scored, a couple of RBIs. The fact that he's that close to, I, I don't think that there's any doubt about it. The best player in the National League in Ronald Acuna Jr. The fact that he was that close in stat line makes you wonder why he wasn't an All Star. I get that his April was. I wouldn't say subpar because I think he was like a 260 hitter but didn't have any home runs, and we were talking about that for a little while. But I, I just feel like they missed an opportunity here. And again, I don't want to take away from Josiah Gray. I'm, I'm glad that he made it, but I think this is a problem when you look at some of the other guys that made it, like a Lourdes Gurriel Jr. I think he's had a good year, but Lane Thomas has been better. I think there's some other guys that maybe even are more deserving than that, but I think this is just a case where they take more pitchers to the All-Star game. There's only six outfielders taken. Maybe he finds a way to get in if there's an injury in the National League outfield, and I think that would be well-deserved. But I, I know it's hard to look at a team like the Nationals, that's one of the worst teams in baseball, and say they deserved more than one All-Star, because I think Josiah Gray is deserving. But, you know, I think Lane Thomas deserved to be on that National League All-Star team. Agreed. You mentioned Lourdes Gurriel. I guess that's the gripe I have is sometimes you say, oh, this guy should be an all-star. And I always say to people, well, who are you taking off? You know, when you this guy should have been all first team all NBA or wh- whatever the claim is. All right, well, you got you, you can't just add someone without taking someone off. So yeah, Lourdes Gurriel, let's compare him. 282 at bats to Lane Thomas's 324. Lane's been on the field a lot more. 35 runs to Lane's 57. Uh 76 hits to Lane's 97. Lourdes Gurriel has 13 home runs to Lane's 14. Lourdes Gurriel has 49 RBI to Lane's 44, the only category where he leads him so far. He has one steal to Lane 7. He's hitting 270. Lane's hitting 299. He's getting on base 32% of the time to Lane's uh, 35% of the time. Lourdes Gurriel has an 810 OPS. Lane Thomas has an 854 OPS. One of these guys is an all-star. The other is Lane Thomas. So, this to me was very simply a situation where they looked at it and said, do we really want to have a second national? You know, yeah. do, do we really want to have two players from this team? And and they kind of got docked and, and penalized, I think for being bad. Now from a big picture standpoint, organizationally, I think this is a bummer for Lane Thomas and I feel terrible for him. He's been on the pod. He's a great guy. Because does he ever get another chance at being an all-star? I, I think there's a really good chance that he never becomes an all-star. And he deserved to be this year, probably. In fact, I would have bet tons of money. I'm, I'm not a big better. I, I mean, I bet on a lot of things, but I, I was, you know, it's a small betting unit that I have. But I, I would have put 50 units on the fact that Lane Thomas was going to be an all-star and I'd be out a lot of money and my wife would be very angry at me. He should He should have been. Having said that, if you're talking about looking back five years from now for the Nats, like Josiah Gray's ideally going to be a fixture and a multi-time all-star and a pitching in the middle of your rotation and one of the faces of this thing. I don't know that Lane Thomas is going to be, which isn't a great way to look at it. But I think like if you were to ask, I know the junkies on 106.7, the fan asked Mike Rizzo who their most deserving all-star was. And they kind of led him and they said, what about Lane Thomas? And he said, yeah, he'd probably be the answer. This was like a week or two ago. But I think if you ask them privately, like who would you most want to represent the organization at the All-Star game for 2023? I think the fact that it's JoJo is is like a better look. It's a guy that you brought over in the Scherzer-Turner deal. 
it is one of the, the building blocks of the, of the blow up, so to speak. You know, it's a it's a young pitcher at 25 ascending. Um, I think it is actually the optics are good for them in that regard. Yeah, it almost justifies what Mike Rizzo has been doing, right? You let some of these star players go, and sometimes people will look at that 2019 team and then look at this team now and be like, where'd everyone go and what in the world happened? And so you have a guy that comes back in a deal with one of those stars, two of those stars getting traded to L.A. Now he's part of this rebuild. Now he's getting to be an all-star. kind of justifies the fact that, all right, we moved on from some of these big guys. We brought in some young guys. Sure, maybe it seems like this team has gone really down the drain since 2019, and they have, but at least they have some young building blocks, and one of them's an all-star this year. So I think you hit it right on the head that this is a good optic for the Nationals to have JoJo represent them out in Seattle.